Um, but I want to thank you, beautiful church family, to the people that cooked us meals, who um, dropped my kids off places for us, who um, Keely's been bringing me to church every week, Nellie. And I just want to thank you all for your love and your care, um, and for letting me recover. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. So today. Um, we started a series a little while ago, and it was called Be Strong in the Lord, because Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And so if the Bible says to be strong, oh yeah, it's up there, great. Lauren, you're awesome. If the Bible tells us to be strong, then it must be possible, right? God doesn't set us up to fail. Um, and honestly, my heart is that every single one of us can walk in the fullness of what Jesus paid for. We all want to be strong in the Lord. I want to see us, myself included, living consistently on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, and on Sunday. I don't just want it to be I rock up to church and I'm like, praise God, hallelujah, and then I go and live something opposite the rest of the week. We want to learn how to be strong. We want to learn to stand, even when hard things happen. Because it's true we live in a fallen world, so sometimes hard things happen. It's not our fault. But man, we've got to learn how to stand and be strong, regardless of what comes, yeah? Okay, that's what Jesus paid for. That's what's going to testify to the world that God's real. When we get squeezed with hard things in life and Jesus comes out. Okay, so, man, I'm so like, passionate about seeing all of you, and myself included, just grow up in the Lord and learn how to walk this thing out. Amen? So we started it a few weeks ago, probably a few, ages ago now, month, two months ago maybe, um, and we've talked about keeping it simple, the importance of um, being in the scripture, cultivating intimacy with the Lord. We talked about ministering to the Lord in worship. We talked about the importance of prayer. We talked about laying down your life. We talked about exhaling, that we exist to be a light to the world. And if all we do is like receive, receive, receive from the Lord, like that's actually not healthy either. That we're called to be salt light in the world. And then we talked about healthy communion and walking with the Holy Spirit. I believe we can't be strong without it. I shared some real life stories from my life, from hard things that I've walked through, and how the Holy Spirit helped me be strong. Um, and then we heard from Tom, and he was talking about living from a place of sonship, about how it's a game changer, except that you're accepted. Um, and then we heard from Sharon and Wayne, and they've been walking us through some of some really hard stuff that they've had to go through. But I think the overarching message that they were saying was, if you if you can see God clear, if, if you can know that God is good, then you can be strong in the Lord. And I think like we're just so blessed to have Sharon and Wayne with us and be able to glean from them. But today, so if you've missed any of that, I would encourage you to get the podcast. Because we are going somewhere, I promise. Um, <clears throat> but today, I wanted to talk to us about having a clear perspective. Because 
I believe that we can't be strong in the Lord if our perspective isn't clear. Okay, I've got a picture for you. We've all heard this. Is the glass half, half empty or half full? Put your hand up if it's half empty. There's no right or wrong answer here. Come on, interrupt. We're going to interact for a few minutes. Half empty, anyone? Half full? We've got lots of I'm not even sure of what to answer here. <laughs> There's different perspectives already. Okay, just about a glass of water. Alright, here's something else. Here's an activity for you and you need to engage. Okay? So I'm going to show you, or Lauren's going to show you rather, four slides. Okay, and it's going to have lots of pictures on the slide. And I want you to count how many red objects or things there are. And at the end, there'll be a total. Okay, so you've got to count. Are you ready? Okay, go. How'd you go? Who, who reckons they know how many? Shelly? 20. 20. Good job. Okay, another question. How many blue things were there? Did anyone see? Does anyone have an answer? Okay. How many pieces of fruit were there? Does anyone know? No, there were 14. Good try. <laughs> darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, 
darkness. It says your eyes are the end of the body. Your eye determines what you see, yeah? And the way we see matters. Your eye determines you. Dan Muller says, as you see, you will be. It's a good little saying to tuck away. As you see, you will be. So the eye, the way you see, is the length of the body. If your eye, if the way you see is healthy, your whole being, your whole body will be full of light. But if your, the way you see, if your eye is bad, what does that mean? Just like twisted, looking at the wrong thing. If the way you see is bad, your whole being will be full of darkness. And then he says, and if the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What, what does that mean? It's like, well, if you think you're seeing clear, but you're not actually seeing clear, then far out. You're not just in darkness, you're deceived and in darkness. Oh. But I feel like Jesus is pointing out that we're created for the light. That's the good news. We're created for the light. And if you find that you're in darkness or you find that your perspective's like not quite right, then it's just because of what you're failing to see. And so if I can change the way I see, so that the way I see is in alignment with how God sees, in a, if I can have a single eye for God, if I can see God, see myself, see others, see problems, see challenges in life the way He does, then my eye will be healthy and my whole being will be full of light. Amen? That's what we want, yeah? That's why camping in the Word is so important. It tells you who you are. God's made it really easy. We just actually need to engage with the Word, yeah? Get your highlighter out. It is full of identities. Like, this is who you are. So I use my purple highlighter, and I highlight everything where God says, this is who you are, highlight it purple. So when I forget, I know where to go. It's all the purple stuff. And I let God tell me who I am again and again. And it helps me see clear. And all the stuff about Him, I highlight orange. And so when I'm not seeing clear, and when I need to be reminded of who God is, I flick open to all the orange in my Bible, and it reminds me who He is. It's really easy. We just have to engage with it. Just got to pick it up and read it. Okay, let's go to 2 Kings. We're going to go to the Old Testament today. And have a bit of fun in there. The Old Testament is full of some wonderful stories um, that can really encourage us in our walk with God. So we're going to go to um, 2 Kings chapter 6 and start at verse 8. Alright. Are you ready? It says, Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, 
for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. Alright, so we've got a bit of a story happening. There's two kings, two kingdoms, king of Syria, king of Israel. King of Syria wants to make war with the king of Israel. So he makes plans, he calls his servants together and he's like, right, we're going to go and camp by that place and then we're going to attack them. Little do they know that there's a man of God in Israel. His name's Elisha. And the Lord tells Elisha where his enemy, of what the enemy is going to do. So the Lord tells Elisha the king's plans and then he warns the king of Israel. And so then the king of Israel doesn't, doesn't go by where the Syrians plan to attack. And it says that it happened more than once or twice. So we've got the picture. Are we on board? Yeah? And so verse 11 says, The mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. He called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? He's like, all right, I've got a trade-off, obviously. Who is it? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So now he's found out about Elisha. And he and um, the king says, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. So he's like, I'm going to put an end to that. It was told him, Behold, he's in Dothan. So verse 14 says, So he sent there horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Alright, so now you've got Elisha in Dothan, surrounded by the enemy. Verse 15, When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. Can you imagine? Can you imagine waking up to that? And you just see the whole city surrounded by horses and chariots. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He has a freak out. Who's been there before? Something's, something hectic's going on and you have a freak out. You're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? We have, we have an example of someone walking in the flesh. <laughs> They're freaking out. Alright, but let's hear what, hear what Elisha says. Um, sorry, I lost it. Where are we? What shall we do? Verse 16. And he said, Do not be afraid. This is Elisha. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Wow. He didn't even have to stop and pray. He just knew that already. What a man of God. Verse 17. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, 
contrast of someone walking in the flesh, freaking out, oh my gosh, what do we do? Someone walking in the spirit. They're so in the spirit, they haven't even prayed about it, they haven't freaked out, they're nothing. They're just like, those that are with, with us are more than, more than them. And then he prays, open his eyes that he might see, and the servant sees what Elijah sees. Man, there's a key for us there. Maybe we can just ask God what he sees. And then maybe we'll start seeing the way that he sees. Told you it's easy when we actually just read this. All right. Verse 18. Oh, we should read verse 17 because it's so good. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against them, him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. Man, let's, just, let's start believing that our prayers are mighty and powerful and can actually achieve things as well. Just a little side note. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. So now he's leading them back to where they came from. Verse 20. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O oh Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? Elisha answered, You shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Well, probably had every right to be like, yeah, kill them. <laughs> There'd be nothing but trouble. Man, he shows them mercy and love, and he sets a feast before them. Verse 23, so he prepared for them a great feast. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away. And they went to their master. And the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. Isn't that a great story? Oh, so good. And I just, I think there's some, there's some keys in there for us to walk with a clear perspective. And I think the main one is, to pray that God would open our eyes to see the things, to see things the way that He sees them. Yeah. I think I pray that every day, every single day. Lord, help me to, when I'm walking through my day, help me to see every circumstance, every situation, every person the way that You see it. Because I want to walk according to the Spirit, not according to my flesh. And I don't care how I feel, I want to walk according to how you see. 
situation. What are you teaching me in this? Is there something I can learn, even though I'm going through something hard? Is there something you're trying to teach me here? And one of the most important things, what should I do now? Because I just want to be led by the Spirit and do what God's doing. Jesus said when he walked the, the earth, I only do and say whatever the Father's doing and saying. Imagine if we lived that way. Imagine if we didn't react and we just stopped and said, God, what should I do now? Imagine the messes we wouldn't make. Imagine. Let's be those people. Let's ask these questions. And how about we just start beholding the one who's the answer? How about we start following Jesus? Because he's the one who's already overcome the world. John 16, Jesus is saying, I've said these things to you, that in you, you, that in me, you may have peace. And he said, in the world, you will have tribulation. Some translations say, in the world, you will have trouble. Becoming a Christian is not a ticket to a trouble-free life. In fact, when you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, sometimes things get a bit harder. Because the devil doesn't want you to follow Jesus. He wants you to follow the crowd. He wants you going down the wide open path to hell. doesn't want you going through the narrow gates. And Jesus promises, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is always the answer. He is the answer to every problem our world is facing right now. Jesus Christ is the answer. Yeah. How about we put our lives in the hands of the one who has all authority and all power on heaven and earth? Matthew 28, 18, we know it. Jesus was his last words and he said,
remember that there's a cloud of witnesses surrounding you. There's people like David and Enoch and Moses and Noah. And there's martyrs and there's the apostles. And there's my mom. <laughs> oh my gosh, she was a mighty woman of God. Surrounded by such a crowd of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. So there's something for us to do. We need to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here's the key. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He started it. He's going to finish it. How about I just keep my eyes on him because he's got all the answers. If he started it and if he's going to finish it, then I need to be, I need to have my eyes on him. Because no one else is going to finish it. I can't finish it for you. I can't finish it for my son. I'd like to be able to, but I can't. No one else can finish it for me. Only Jesus can. So that's where my eyes, that's where my vision, that's where my gaze needs to be. Praise God. Feel the fire of God. Oh my goodness. And then it, and then it goes on to say, who, the, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Don't think that we serve a God who doesn't know what a hard day looks like. Jesus has been tempted in every way, and yet he's without sin. So every temptation you've gone through, Jesus has gone through it. He was ridiculed. He was ditched by his friends. He was betrayed. He knows what it feels like. And then he was tortured before he was crucified, murdered violently. He knows what a hard day looks like. What was his perspective? He was looking at you. He was like, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He was like, I know that if I go through this, if I curse sin in my flesh, I can be one with them. I can live in them. There's not going to be anything in the way anymore. That's how he got through his hard day. It was you. It was me. It was all of us. It was his glorious church. It was his kids. Ugh. We've got to, man, we've got to get it. We've got to behold him. Yeah? yeah? Let's flip over to Philippians 3, verse 8. This is Paul writing. And man, Paul, actually from 7, I think, we'll go. Paul was a hectic dude. Far out. He ended up writing a lot of our New Testament once he met Jesus. But he he persecuted Christians. He was a Pharisee. Man, he was born in the right tribe at the right time. He was circumcised at the right time. He kept the whole Jewish law. He was blameless. And he was saying in this chapter, he's like, I have every right to boast. But then he jumps into um, verse 7 and he says, But whatever gain I have, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. 
So today we're going to take communion together. And I want you to orientate yourself towards Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. My encouragement is, is for you to like not wait. So if you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, then like come to the front. We would love to pray for you. And if you're too scared to come to the front, put your hand up. And I can see it. No one else can. Don't wait. This is the most important thing that you can do in your life. Say, I'm going to follow Jesus. And it's the only way you can have a clear perspective. You can't have it without him. Good luck. 